and welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. Today, I'm here with Bridget and also the newest co-host that can't talk yet. This is <laughs> Eloise, aka Ellie. Oh, I should say this is Mimi. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> A little sleep deprived, but... Oh my God. She is so cute. She is so cute. We were just talking about like the highlights of the birth story, but maybe we can do more of an episode on that. Or maybe you don't want to she do just an came, episode well, on that. Well, happy to do an episode on that. She just came kind of sprinting out. She did. She was like, yeah. I'm ready. The finish line is here. But yeah, we're we're happy. We're tired. She's <laughs> mostly tired. <laughs> tired and hungry. She's like, she's like in marathon. We, we, you were joking. You were like, it's like the last few weeks of marathon training is like oh, Ellie's totally. vibe right now. Totally. Hungry and tired. She's just hungry and tired all the time. Can't eat enough. Pooping a lot. You know, Great. It's, <laughs> it's basically the same thing. I was joking. So like my husband does not like He's great at changing her. Like, that's fine. But he's like, oh, poop. Like, he's now getting used to it. And I'm like, this is nothing. Like, do you even understand how well distance running prepares you for, like, gross poop? Like, the amount of literal shit we've seen at races and, like, in random public, like, park bathrooms. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. We're prepared. Baby poop is, like, nothing on, like, the human... Garbage that you see. Yeah. Like so. pre-race porta potty is uh it's a crime scene. It's a crime scene for <laughs> it's sure. An absolute crime yeah, scene. This is nothing. I'm like, I got this. But yeah, so we're happy. The other thing, I was bummed because I was like, oh great. Like it's it's gonna be perfect timing for my like midnight feed with her to watch the Berlin Marathon. But then like I couldn't watch it anywhere without paying 30 bucks to watch it on like on flow track. So I was like, I think I'll just yeah. look at Twitter while I'm doing yeah. this. Um, yeah. So let's like talk a little bit about some stuff that's been happening in running. I mean, oh my God, new world record, new world record. Seconds. Like talk about just the consistency, the like ability to just execute. I mean, the splits are amazing. The smile at the, you know, the, the classic Kipchoge, like yeah. smile slash grimace at the end. I just, he's so easy to root for. And, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. it's just, it's, it is very, very fun to watch him run um, because he's great at it. And because he seems humble and, and just gets it done and makes it look so easy. And yet we know like no other human has come close no. to what he's done. So I did want him to break two. I was like really hoping he would break two hours, but you can't be disappointed in, in that performance. And like, to your point, just the human that he is and like what he brings to the sport. It's so funny. Cause like in every interview he does, they're always like, who do you admire? Who would you want to run with? And he always has the same answer. Barack Obama. He's an Obama stan. And I'm like, why can't we make this happen? Like, why right. hasn't this collab not happened? It seems, I feel like our, our buddy Barack would be like, yeah, I'll go for a run with Elliot Kipchoge. Right. Sure. Or I want the like, Barack and Elliot could go for a run and then they go and play basketball. So it's like yeah. Barack sport and then Kipchoge sport. Yeah. And then they like go give a really great motivational speech and like maybe write a book together. Yeah. Right. right. I could see this as like a really like important friendship that I'm right. really rooting for. And I think Elliot really wants to make it happen. 
and we're just waiting on Barack. Like, what's come on, Barack? What's what the hold up? Do? What is he doing? <laughs> right, right. Maybe we need to go through like Malia. Yeah. Is it, like, is this a, maybe Malia? Okay. You're in we'll Chicago. Like, go <laughs> knock on the door of the Obama Foundation and float this right. idea. Yeah. All right. I'm on it. Yeah. Okay. We'll make this happen. We're going to make this happen. Elliot, we got you. We got you. We got you. Um, so speaking of Chicago, that marathon's coming up. Yeah. I'm super excited to go cheer. And I was just, did you get the um, Tracksmith email this morning about their I did. shoe? I did. And I kind of feel like for the amount of Tracksmith that we both buy and that like <laughs> we talk about on the show and I, hell, I even was like at the Tracksmith after party for Boston in 2021, which was very exclusive. You know, not everyone could go to that. I was not invited. I tagged along with Dina. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> like send us the shoe. <laughs> we'll try out the shoe. Send us, send us the, the shoe. shoe. I'm hoping that they have a little, I think they're doing a pop-up yeah. here in Chicago before the race. And so I'm hoping I can peep the shoe because I will say that that email while beautiful and I totally opened it and registered for the, whatever the, the next email right. about the shoe. Um, so mission accomplished to their marketing team had very little information. No, we have no idea how shoe. much the shoe will cost. We don't know what it's made of. We don't know anything. We just know it's no, a Tracksmith no. shoe and we're like, okay, sign us up. Carbon fiber? Not no, carbon no fiber. clue. What's the drop? Like no clue. We have no Probably would not race no in it. <laughs> right. It's probably going to be like, you know, you're around town yeah, shoe. It's like, actually, this isn't a running shoe at all. Just a, fa- a fashion It's a fashion shoe. shoe. It's your leisure <laughs> shoe. It's your post-run shoe. It is the shoe that you wear before you put on to the, the shoes house. that you're going to warm up in, before you put on the shoes that you're going to work out in. But it's not the slipper. I love it. They also have a slipper. Yeah. But I, I mean... I'm you know, it. like if that's if that's the vibe, um, I'm I will <laughs> acknowledge that I am like, you know, I'm susceptible to that kind of marketing. It's a nice shoe. Yeah. It's it it's cute. cute. Yeah, I like that they kind of stuck to the like classic Tracksmith branding, the white yeah. with the blue, the stripe. OG colors. I, I I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. Very curious if they like. I mean, they must like. I'm assuming that they partnered with someone to make it. It seems like the, the they had to have. infrastructure, but who yeah, knows? But they they weren't telling. It's I a mystery. Know. Was it a collab? It's a mystery. Anyways, but I'm I'm excited to watch. Excited to go to the pop up. Excited to peep yeah. the show. Lots of exciting. I mean, there's the London coming up, and then obviously Chicago and New York and CIM, <gasps> and lots of exciting things happening, running wise. So. Fun times, fun, fun times. Fun times. Yeah. Ellie, you came right at a great moment. Maybe that is, she just, she was like, all right. Oh, she's making She's like, Sorry, we do have a video that we use when we're recording this. So I'm not just making this up. I can see Little baby faces. (laughs) Little baby faces. Um, I'm excited for this episode. I was not able to record. So tell us about this week's episode. Yeah, this was a really wonderful episode with Stephanie Howe, who is, for those of you who don't know, she's a um, PhD in nutrition. So she's a nutritionist. She has a background in exercise physiology. She is a trail runner. She is the winner of Western States. I should look at my notes. I think it might've been 2015 mm-hmm. around there. Um, so very accomplished. She has run UTMB. She was recently there running OCC is sort of like her first kind of like postpartum back to running. She has a 15-month-old son, Julian. So we do chat, you know, a bit about 
pregnancy and motherhood and, and that sort of stuff. But she she runs for the North Face. She's a North Face sponsored athlete. And she's just so incredibly thoughtful and passionate about, you know, issues related to maternal health, but also support at races. Um, but that goes beyond just sort of like postpartum support, but just support for women and sponsorships in general. And we could have had a whole other podcast about that, but it was just so wonderful to get to know Stephanie a little bit more. And she's just such a thoughtful member of the running community. And we're so lucky to have her in the Bay Area. So it was, it was such a joy. And I think, you know, this is a great episode for if you are pregnant, if you are postpartum, or if you are just a human who wants to learn a little bit more about nutrition, about Stephanie's story and sort of what that looks like. Um, I know I learned a lot. I'm hoping to work with her postpartum. Something that I've learned um, in the in the two weeks that I've been a mother, um, so ask me anything, I'm an expert, um, <laughs> is actually like the finding time to eat postpartum and like nutrition is way harder than when I was pregnant. Part of that is because I no longer feel like I have another person that I'm also feeding. So it's just sort of myself. So you're kind of, that's in the back of your mind, but I'm hungrier and thirstier than ever because of breastfeeding. I'm still trying to walk, you know, a good amount every day, even though I'm not back to real exercise. Walking is real exercise, but all of you know what I mean. Not back to like my standard of exercise yet. And then on top of that, there's just not a whole lot of opportunity because you're holding a little person and trying to keep them alive. And, you know, if they're not asleep, then they want to be held and trying to just get food in is challenging. Like last night, my husband and I ordered pizza and it was like, okay, we got to take turns eating our pizza. <laughs> like, yeah. And right. so I really look forward to working with Stephanie, I hope, on some of the nutrition stuff, because it's just been, it's been way harder than I expected. Um, Cause you need stuff quickly, but then there's sort of like the emotional aspect of it as well. So yeah, it was really wonderful getting to know Stephanie a little bit more. I'm so excited to listen to this for all the reasons that you said. I think that, you know, having these conversations, whether you are a mother or you're just a woman who runs or a man who runs, who cares about the running community, because we're all in this together. These issues, I think, you know, it's, it's all just part of the story. Yeah. And some of this these parts of stories haven't been told or have been gatekept or for reasons around society, we felt like we couldn't tell them. And so I love that people are having these conversations, talking about what this is really like and thinking about ways to make it better. I saw that one of the half marathon, trail half marathons, I think it's actually Solomon's uh, trail half marathon is offering free childcare for people running yeah. the race this year. So like, Things like that. I mean, I don't know if that sol doesn't solve everything, but even just bringing that up and saying, like, if this is a barrier to entry for you to to be able to participate, like, does this help? And can we can we offer this in more places? So totally, like, yeah. Solomon just had a trail race last weekend um, in Marin, and they had like a whole tent for lactation and pumping, and just amazing. Gosh, I never would have, um, you know. Never really would have cared until now, to be honest. And you you kind of don't care until you're in it or you need it. And like, let me tell you, like if you're breastfeeding and you're about to run a race, like how wonderful it is it to have a place to to actually pump. I mean, that's so important. So 
you know, I think just talking about these issues and, and realizing that they they do impact everyone, whether you're pregnant or not. Yeah. It's um, if you know someone, if you have friends, if you want to like make sure that you're keeping people in the sport, it matters. Um, yeah. And, you know, on that note, last week we introduced a really exciting sponsorship with Avid Sports Medicine. Um, I hope everyone listened to the episode with Veronica Jow. So in addition to making sure that you're taking care of yourself through good nutrition that Stephanie offers some tips here, you know, you want to make sure that you're also taking care of your physical health. So there's all of these exciting uh, discounts and, and stuff that we have for Runners of the Bay listeners at Avid Sports Medicine. There will be more information in our show notes, but the TLDR of it all is that you get 15% off a new patient visit, 15% off gait analysis, and then 50% off um, their fitness programming. So they have a lot of great fitness programming. So you would email info at avidsportsmed.com, mention Runners of the Bay to use these offers. They're a holistic clinic that offers chiropractic, massage therapy, strength training, and, and Veron- Dr. Veronica Jow is a sports medicine doctor. So all encompassing. So we're really excited to bring all of that to you. Um, but enjoy this episode with Stephanie Howe. And one of these days... Ellie will will speak. Maybe she'll squeak. <laughs> right now she's in a squeak. squeaking phase. Yeah. Maybe a little gargle. Yeah. yeah. Runners of the Bay gargle. <laughs> Thanks for being with us during this exciting time. Well, hello and welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. Today we are here with Dr. Stephanie Howe, and we're so excited to have you here, Stephanie. I know you're, we were just chatting, you are still in France after running OCC, and so you decided to extend your trip. So tell us a little bit about that, about staying in France and what that's been like. Well, this is a classic Stephanie move. Um, I, I love it here, and I usually come over to France in the summer for like six to eight weeks and I have a hard time coming home. And so this trip, I only planned two weeks and I came to the end of it and I was like, what was I thinking? Um, so I'm here another, I guess, two weeks, um, which has been good. I, it's, I, I'm over here with my, uh, well, he's 20 month old now. Um, I can't believe that. And it's kind of like one of those things we just got into the routine. We're like really loving it. So I'm like, oh, let's, let's stay here a little longer. <laughs> That's awesome. So are you in, are you staying in Chamonix after OCC? Or are you just staying put or traveling? Yeah, I, or- I was in Chamonix um, a few days after, and now I'm down in Annecy, which is about an hour away. It's in the mountains, but it's a little bit more low key <laughs> than Chamonix, mm-hmm. but it's very nice. And so we're staying here. <laughs> Awesome. Um, what has running looked like post race? Did you get Did you get a run in today? Is it as beautiful as it looks on all of the Instagram posts? It kind of is, which is like I hate <laughs> that um, when I see that when I'm not here and I'm like, ah, oh, it looks so beautiful. It really is. Um, I had a great recovery post race because my race wasn't. I couldn't go super hard. So I was kind of fine, which is like, I mean, you want to finish your race and be like, yeah, that was great. But in this case, I'm really thrilled that I feel good because I can go explore trails. So I did a run today. The place I'm staying has a trail out the back door and it's, it's really hard. It's a thousand feet in the first mile. 
Um, oh my but I've done it. I've done it a few times, and today I had my my fastest time up there. So it's uh, getting getting better with nice. the hills. I'd be like, I'd get to the top, and then I'd be like, okay, I made it a mile, but I'm done, and I'm just gonna go the mile down, and I'm like, nice little two mile jog. I mean, I've done a few like three miles, four miles, and it takes an hour. So it's just yeah. like reframing that. That's wild. Um, amazing. Well, we'll get into like some OCC stuff and, and being in France in a little bit. Um, and just like side note, I mean, going back to Instagram and it looked, it looked intense in Chamonix this year. I felt like everyone was there. I was like, what am I doing in America? Totally. (laughs) Totally. I've been coming here since 2014, I think, uh, for this race and I haven't done it every year, but, um, Mm-hmm. Some like most years I've done it and it's gotten bigger and bigger. And this year it was like a circus. It was, I, I, I'm going to say I was uncomfortable. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to be here, wow. but the week yeah. after everyone leaves and then it's like, okay, quiet. That's nice. Yeah. I was both like, I really want to be there, but also it would be so overwhelming, but it just looked, looked so beautiful and like a big kind of party. It was. Um, yep. So fun. <laughs> Well, let's go back a little bit. Um, what's like an early memory for you of running? Oh, I, I've got a good one. Um, I was a good runner. Like I just genetically, like I, you know, I can run and that's what I'm good at. Although I wanted to do anything but run. So my parents were like, when I got to, we had junior high, I grew up in Minnesota. So instead of middle school, it was junior high, started at seventh grade. So when you start seventh grade, you can have like after school team sports. And so they were like, you're going to do cross country. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to do volleyball because all my friends are doing volleyball. So my mom brought me to my first practice and I showed up in flip flops. So I didn't have to run. (laughs) And, uh, I, I got through that season and I just like, I like walked with one of my friends at the practices instead of run. And the coach was like, Stephanie, if you tried harder, you'd actually be really good. And I didn't try harder until I was like in high school. And then, then I started to love it. But I just remember just thinking it wasn't cool to be a runner. I wanted to do the team sports with all my friends, but I wasn't very good at them. So I finally wised up um, when I got a little bit older and started really liking running. That's so funny. I feel like I had the same experience. Like I didn't, I didn't run in high school. I wasn't on the team. I was on the tennis team. And cause it was running, wasn't something that was cool. No, Like you played, you played team sports, you did something else. Like, I don't know. It never even occurred to me to do it, but I love this like vision of you going there with flip flops and just being like, Nope, I'm out. Oh, my mom was so bad at no me. Way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. What do you think made you like start to love it and what flipped that switch for you? Well, I think you you're drawn to what you're good at. And I mm. had some success and it was really cool to feel like, you know, when you're younger and in middle school, high school, like self-esteem is important. And I think that was one way for me that like boosted me a little bit of like, oh, I'm good at this. And like, you know, it's kind of fun for for you to to start a race and do pretty well. And I've always liked pushing my body, even if it wasn't running, just like kind of as a kid, I would just love doing things. Like I, we had a big trampoline and I would go just jump on it as hard as I could for like 20 minutes because I loved how it felt (laughs) like push. So I think I like that feeling too. And running 
was just like all of those things together. So I did well, I could push my body and like I had this community of people who were, you know, all like nerdy, skinny kids running. And uh, I guess you had like a family or instant friends. Mm -hmm important at that age. Totally. Yeah. So what did, what did that look like after college? I think I read that you were a skier, sorry, after high school, I think I read that you were a skier in college. Mm -hmm. So what was like the, the relationship between the snow and the trail and the skiing and the running like? Yeah. So even through high school, I still didn't love running as much as I loved other sports. And so cross-country skiing was a a very endurance sport, but I really loved that. I picked it up later in high school, but just was like pretty... I had, I don't want to say I was talented, but I, I, I was successful or with very little training in history racing. And so I got a scholarship to ski in college and... um just wanted to be a skier so bad. And I was good, but I wasn't great. And our ski coach was also the running coach in college. So it wasn't like a huge focus on running. It was like, this is the ski team and skiers, you also run. So we went to the cross country races and I, I trained for skiing really hard and we ran occasionally, not much. And I was a two-time All-American in cross country running so that kind of was like, what are you doing trying to ski? And I just loved it. So that I tried, I tried to keep, you know, pushing myself and like seeing if I can make NCAAs and I never did as a skier and I did as a runner and I was good. And so after college, I was like in grad school, didn't have as much time to, to ski train because it takes a lot longer and started running on trails. So I kind of skipped the whole road scene. Um, I just got on the trails and really fell in love with it. And from there, I was like, oh, I'm a runner. Yeah, it's so interesting too. I mean, I think there are some really great examples and I'm sure that I'm not listing them all. I know there are more out there of of either like former skiers or biathletes. Mm-hmm. And we've had some on the show, like Corinne Malcolm and Olivia Amber, who just like, sort of like seamlessly make that transition. Like, what do you think it is about skiers that make them really good, like trail runners specifically? Is it like just insane VO2 max? Like what's the, what's the correlation? Yeah, I mean, you, you have a high VO2 max as a Nordic skier, but I think it's also, you're Mm -hmm. used to being out for a long time in the, Mm -hmm. in the mountains, in the woods, you know, you're not, um, it's so much different than running. You're not looking at pace or effort. You're kind of more in tune with a lot of other things, um, like heart rate, effort, and knowing how to like push hard up hills, recover downhill. So I think Nordic skiing lends to trail running really well, more so than like a traditional road track background, um, because you're, you spend a lot of time out of the trails. And I actually, um, I know Corinne and Olivia really well, and mm-hmm. actually, uh, Courtney DeWalter and I grew up in towns right next to each other. And we were both skiers and runners and like raced each other all through high school. <laughs> so oh, wow. it was like kind of a, it's really cool to see her being so successful now as, as a runner when I was like, we used to train together for skiing, um, when we were juniors like in high school. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to see like so many people from different sports coming to running. I don't even want to say later, but it's like kind of, you, you mentioned sort of just skipping like the road scene 
altogether. And I think, you know, we see it with you and your photos and other showrunners and certainly with Courtney and like the content that she puts out of just like the immense joy that seems to permeate the trail community of like, let's have fun, let's support each other, let's be competitive, right? But like, it doesn't seem as stressful yeah, as road no, running. It's yeah. not. I, and I will say it's changing a little bit. Like you mentioned, like with mm-hmm. Shamini and the, how it was such a such a scene. It used to be a little more low-key. Like when I first started, it was like results were printed in a magazine and you maybe saw them a week <laughs> later and, and no one really cared about that. You just did it because you thought it was cool to like push yourself and like be with this community and nobody else really knew it. So that is changing, but I still think for the most part, everyone is super friendly and welcoming and yeah, you want to race each other, but you're also going to stop and like help each other. Like, you know, I've had, I've had a few races where I've been passed in the last couple miles of a hundred miler, um, by some of my friends and I'm legitimately happy for them. I'm not like, Oh crap. You know, like she's passing me. I'm like, Oh wow. Casey's doing great. That's, mm-hmm. and, and that's not something that you get in really any other sport, which is really cool. No, if anyone passes me in like the last mile of a marathon, I like want to kill. Yeah, it's like sprinting (laughs) as hard as you can. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah, it's that's funny. Um, So, like going back to you, decide to get into into trail running. um, Sort of like I'm assuming after college when you're in grad school. What drew you to like being competitive about it? Mm. Was it just kind of this what you were describing a little bit? in junior high school and high school of like, well, I'm talented at this. So like, why not? Like what? Cause I, I, I find, I mean, it's easy. I guess it's pretty easy to sign up for races, but maybe just snowballs when you like do a race and you're like, Oh, I'm good. And how, what was the evolution like yeah. for you to become a professional runner? Like, it's so interesting. Well, I've always been an athlete and liked sports. So I like the competition part um, to some extent. I don't like when it feels like anxiety and like really just uh, cutthroat. I don't really like that, but I like the part of pushing myself. So I think races were a natural draw for me. And I just like to do them and like explore what my limits were. So I, I didn't you know, like in, in college we ran, um, but we didn't do any races longer than 6k. That was like, you know, our, our mm-hmm. cross country races. And so I ran a marathon out of college to see if I could run that far. And I could, <laughs> it was, you know, road marathon check, <laughs> All right. check, check. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I just started doing different trail races that are like, Oh, this is a challenge. And, um, you know, it was like, you do one that's like, okay, well I, you know, people do run 50 K. So I wonder if I can run a 50 K. So that's kind of how I like signed up for my first 50 K. I actually signed up the night before because <laughs> my boyfriend at the time was doing it. And I was like, well, if he's doing it, I'm going to do it. And I did really well. And I was like, Oh, and it, it crushed me though. It wasn't like I just finished and I was like, Oh, that was fun. It was like, it annihilated me. And I was like, that was so cool. I need to learn. I need to train for this and I need to learn how to do this. And I'm a, I don't want to say I'm not a fast runner cause I, I am a fast runner, but I'm, I'm better at the longer. Like I, if I were to do the same, I wouldn't place as well in like a half marathon or like a 10 K the longer the race kind of the better I do. So I think that was also a draw for me to keep exploring these trail ultra distances because I did have more success and it was really fun. Mm -hmm. 
So that race that you signed up for the night before with your boyfriend, how did you do, not to compare everything, but I'm like always comparing myself to my husband and it drives me crazy when he signs up for a race the night before and has run twice in the year and beats me. (laughs) So how did you do compare like to your, what was that like? What was the conversation like with your boyfriend? Yeah, he beat me, but he was an athlete too. Um, But we did the same race the next year and I beat him. So uh, yeah, but yeah, he had been kind of training for it and I'd been running with him. So I guess, I guess technically I'd been training for it, just not really thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, how am I going to run 50 K and like went into it so ill-prepared with fuel. And I don't know if I carried water and now I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like what was I thinking? But, um, yeah, it, it was actually the, it was called flag line 50 K in Bend, Oregon. And it was the 50 K national championships that year because Ben likes to host every championship there is like mustache championship curling championship cycle cross you like you name it Ben is like bring it here so it was the year the trail 50k was there and I I finished second um which was cool um and the woman who won her name was Cami Semek and she at the time was a North Face runner and she was kind of like uh, she, I mean, she was one of the best ultra runners, um, in the country and she just took me under her wing and she was like, Stephanie, you should do these and you should like, mm-hmm. let me introduce you to North Face. So that's actually how I got connected to North Face. And she's been a mentor of mine for, I mean, since then. And a lot of those women, I think we don't hear those names as much because they don't race, but she was like, I, I feel like I credit her with bringing women's uh, women to ultra running and uh, being competitive in ultra running. Like her, Nikki Kimball, Megan Arbogast, mm-hmm. Megan Canfield is her, I guess her name now. They are all, they've been so instrumental in like letting me get to where I am. And then, you know, me, I'm like kind of passing the baton off to like these other younger women of like, now you can use this pedestal and actually go above and beyond where I've been. Um, so I think it's really cool of like, you know, she got me to where I am and hopefully I can get someone else to, to be in that position too. Yeah. I think it's so important to, I don't know, it like often we don't know what we're capable of. I mean, we can see it. We can be like, I did really well in this 50K, but what does that mean for a hundred K or what does that mean on another course? Mm-hmm. And so having other women or just other people who are like, I believe in you and here, here are the people that you should meet to be able to take the next steps is so helpful because some of this stuff is like, unless you have an agent and like are sort of coming out of a system um, with sponsorships, it can be, I would imagine pretty tough to navigate. Oh, it's yeah. like kind of like any, any career you're like, well, how do I apply for that next job? Like, do I network? Do I apply on LinkedIn? Like, what do I yeah. do? Yeah, a hundred percent. Those, I mean, it's so important. And, and even so with like raising the bar of performance, you know, like with the marathon Mm -hmm. Olympic qualifier, um, time is a great example of like, they lowered it and they keep lowering it. And like, you know, now that that's what it is, people step up and like the record number of women are meeting that time. So I think it's, it's across all of those of like finding sponsorships, um, going further, going faster. And it's like, once the bar is set, then that gives somebody incentive to like, okay, maybe I can do it better. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. You start to see what's possible. Like, I mean, I'm a big fan of, I watch everything from, you know, the UTMB live feed Mm -hmm. to the diamond league meets, right. And you're seeing, 
American women. I think Alicia Monson ran ran like fourteen thirty seven or something today, which is you know not not even her PB, not even the American record, but still incredibly fast. And if you were talking, you know, five years ago, like fifteen flat was phenomenal, mm-hmm. but the bar just keeps getting raised. And I, I mean, part of that might be due to technology or you can have like lots of different discussions about mm-hmm. why that's happening. But I think that when people see that something is doable, they want to try it themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember I'm not a trail runner. I mean, I, the longest trail race I've ever run is a half marathon. I'm terrible on the downhills. It's something that I'm curious about and want to try much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also scares me. And I, the reason I even tried trail racing like to start with is I remember, I think I watched a, a documentary by Billy Yang of life in a day. Oh, yeah. And I was like, so inspired by like Devin Yanko and her story. It was you know about Western States. And I was like, I'm just going to go to like Hutterd Park and run <laughs> as far as I can, as long as I can. And it wasn't very far and it wasn't very long, but you just feel such a connection to nature. And then you see these people doing it and you're like, okay, maybe I can push myself a little bit to, to keep trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's inspiring. And then it makes you think like, well, if they can do it, I wonder if I can do it. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but you know, you can get one, there. And maybe I one of these days <laughs> you run on trails, you are a trail runner. Okay. There's no qualifiers that you need to fulfill <laughs> to be a trail runner. I need some, I need some, um, coaching on the technical downhills. That's yeah, not come, my... come run with me. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll teach you my ways. I used to be terrible, like terrible, but, um, I ran behind someone for a long time who was really good and it helped me a lot. So you just that's helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're like directly behind someone I had, I sort of was overcoming some fear and I did, I love the, um, inside trail races in the, in the Bay area. They're so great. Yeah. And this was about three or four years ago. I can't remember, but it was one, um, like one near Mount Tam and it ultimately like it was a half and you go up and then you come down and you, you do ultimately get to the Dipsy, but I Mm. was coming down and I tripped and I wasn't running behind anyone and I fell and it didn't feel good. And then I just kept going and I fell again. And by the time I got down to the mountain, like I was so bloody and it was clear, like I had like broken some ribs or something. And they were like, yeah, you're not, you can't go back. (laughs) But, um, so that, that scarred me a little bit of like, I had just started to overcome that fear. And then all of a sudden that happened. And then how do you get over that? So I'm curious, like, has anything like that happened for you or have you seen anything happen where you have started to have some fear in your racing or your running. Yeah. Um, and actually not, well, I'm sure there is running, but there's one that really stands out to me. It was actually mountain biking. Mm. Um, I'm going to tell the story because it's like, I don't know. I was, I didn't tell anyone for a long time because I was pretty embarrassed by it, but I crashed on my mountain bike when I was seven and a half months pregnant and I landed right in my stomach and oh, like God. flipped over, like had to take an ambulance ride to the hospital. It was like, he, it, it was totally fine. He was totally fine. It, he wasn't even stressed, but I was stressed and yeah. I was terrified. I, I couldn't believe, like it was a stupid place that I fell to. It wasn't even technical, but I had to like talk myself through that of like, okay, you need to like get back on your bike. And I actually... I did get back on my bike before he was born. I just went and rode like, a well, first I did like a flat trail and then actually rode where I crashed because it wasn't like a technical trail. It was just like, I just slipped. Like my tires were 
kind of bald, which is my fault. And it was just a careless uh, mistake. But the point of that is I think to work through some of that stuff, you just got to like face that fear head on in a safe way. You don't want to be reckless, but get back out there and just like, you know, like talk to yourself out loud. Like I, I sometimes do that when I'm trail running of like, okay, you can do this. Like today, actually, I told you I went up this hill, um, thousand feet in one mile. I had to come down the hill. <laughs> it's muddy and technical. It's not great, but I was I was trying to hurry too because my son was sleeping, um, and I needed to get back. And I was like, okay, you can do this. You've got this. And like just saying that out loud, the affirmation, I think, makes you believe yourself. Um, so I think in those situations, you just gotta like, you gotta just tackle it head on. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think. Like a lot of runners, you know, especially if you're running on roads or you're running on the track, we're kind of used to doing that for like a hard workout or the last couple miles of a marathon of like, that's where like the positive self-talk comes in or when your body is just struggling. But I never thought about that in terms of like overcoming fear, right? Of Maybe you're fine. Like you feel fine. You're just terrified you're going to fall on your face. And Mm -hmm. so employing that self-talk and like sort you of can getting, do it. yeah, You're you doing can a do great it. Job. Yeah. One foot in front of the other, but that's, that's terrifying. I'm glad that everything yeah. was okay. I've, I, yeah. It was the scariest moment of yeah. my life. Um, totally. And I just, you know, like everyone, I mean, there's a reason why I didn't tell anyone for a long time. Yeah. It was like, what even, what were you thinking? You're so stupid. Why were you riding your bike? And it's like, you know, I know my body's limits. I know what I'm capable of. This was truly an accident. I wasn't yeah. in a place I shouldn't have been. I just slipped and it was a very unfortunate, uh, timing, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it turned, it turned out just fine. Turned out fine. And when you're pregnant, which I am, I'll be 38 weeks pregnant on Friday, (laughs) everything, like all your hormones, just everything is just heightened. Everything Mm -hmm. becomes like the biggest deal. I remember I was, I don't know, maybe 12 weeks pregnant or something. And I was meeting my coach for a run because we were, I was still like doing workouts at that time. And I like tripped over something in a parking lot and I didn't fall, but you're just, your body like jolts. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. And it's such a different it's such a different feeling of, I don't know, like feeling like you almost don't care about yourself. No, totally. You're, just, you're so worried about what's happening inside totally. you. You're like, I'll, I'll fall, I'll break something, but like, is my baby okay? Yeah. Is, is that okay? Yeah. yeah. It's been interesting. Um, <laughs> and it keeps going, keeps going. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's the thing is like, I'm like, okay, well, it's not going to happen once the baby's born or it's not going to stop once the baby's born. I'm just going to be terrified of other things. Mm-hmm. Like, is she going to fall? Is yeah. like she going to eat, choke on something? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are fun thoughts. <laughs> um, but so let's get into, I love, like, I, I had such a fun time listening to you on, speaking of like Corinne, on the Trail Society podcast, where you just dropped so much knowledge about nutrition through every trimester of pregnancy, especially the fourth trimester. I was listening and you, I had just finished a swim and you were talking about like how the day you gave birth, you ate four donuts and I immediately went and got a donut because like, that sounded really good. So thank you for you're, that. You're getting there. Um, you're getting close. <laughs> but um, so, I mean, it, it was so helpful. It was like, oh darn, I wish this had come out like as soon as I found out I was pregnant because yeah. I would have listened to it. And just your advice on like the first trimester of, it, it doesn't matter what you eat, just like get the calories mm-hmm. in and that you ate like just like 
bread and carbs. And that was basically mm-hmm. my diet yeah. the first trimester yeah. too. So I was like, okay, I'm good. Um, but you know, you have a PhD in nutrition and you did your dissertation on sort of sports nutrition mm-hmm. and and that. And so I'm curious, like what drew you to that field and how has your experience with nutrition evolved as a professional athlete? But, you know, you talked about it on the podcast, so people can go listen to that. I highly encourage it. We don't have to rehash it, but like then now as a, we're previously as a pregnant athlete, but even now as a mom, like how you think about energy and nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start with, so how I got into that. Um, like I said, I was always an athlete and in high school, you know, you have to do like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to be an athlete or someone who works with athletes. So I was like, I knew I wanted to be in that field. And in college, I changed my major five times and like, it wasn't even close. It was like biology and then French and then math. And I just couldn't find something that like felt like me. And I, um, was in an exercise physiology class and I just like sat there. I was in the front row and I was like, this, this is what I want to study. Cause it's like about sports and athletes and physiology and how exercise impacts all of the systems. And I was fascinated. So I, that's what I studied in college. I finally like changed my major to ex and stuck with it. And then, um, I got a master's degree in exercise physiology as well. And, um, then went on to get a PhD at at another school and I was, I started and I did a year and the research wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. It was, um, it was really cool research, but it was like clinical. Um, and I just wanted to do something more applied and I felt like I'd kind of reached my limits of exercise physiology of what was interesting to me. I, I like, I was fortunate enough to work in a lab in both universities, like uh, working with athletes who so doing a lot of testing and understanding how that worked. And so I was really interested in nutrition. I always have been. And so the, I was like, I'm just going to switch. I'm going to switch into nutrition and have my minor be like exercise physiology. And so that was the best decision I've ever made because there is not many professionals who dabble in both. My advisor does, but most people are nutrition or exercise. There's not much overlap. So I was like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. So I I loved, I loved the, the coursework that I had. I loved my study. It was like, really hard to do. I was like, what was I thinking? Doing active women. Um, but I did and I'm proud of it. And so it's been really cool for me um, as a professional to blend those two. But then also as an athlete myself, I come at it with two angles of like, okay, so I've studied it, but I also do this like personally, like I train and I race and I eat food. And so I know how nutrition affects performance. And I think that's a really cool thing because it's different when you read about it in a book versus when you do it, when you're fueling your body for a hundred miles. And it shapes everything, you know, now like postpartum and having a son, I think about, you know, food and and feeding him. And I love to cook as well. I don't just like to talk about numbers and carbohydrates and grams and calories. Like I like to like, I like food and I like to create food. And so it's kind of my, I don't want to sound like one dimensional, but it's kind of my whole world of like, I love this area and there's so many different ways you can use it 
to help people or to help inspire people or help people heal their relationship with food or learn how to cook or learn how to fuel their bodies mm-hmm. so that they can perform better. Um, because there's so much misinformation out there. There's a lot of pseudoscience. There's a lot of influencers who have a platform who don't really understand what they're saying. There's a lot of coaches who don't really understand nutrition and doctors too. Um, medical doctors don't have a lot of training in nutrition. So I see this whole big, vast area where I can really teach people and help them learn like, this is what's actually going on. This is how metabolism works. This is how digestion works. And, um, I think it's for me, selfishly, it makes me feel really good to be able to help people like that, um, be able to share what I know and just make them feel better because it, it makes me feel good that I can help them. Yeah. I mean, I think like a, a couple of things that I'll, I'll take from that too is the first is you talked a little bit about like healing relationship with food. I think as women, as athletes, you know, the relationship with food can be complex and, I know for me as an athlete and someone who has certainly had her struggles with eating disorders and and other forms of challenges around food is like thinking about it from the lens of, from a, from a more scientific lens of how am I, how is this helping to fuel my body and my goals? And now as a pregnant person, you know, the development of my child um, has sort of taken some of the emotion out of it Mm -hmm. and allowed me to not only like not overthink it. And yeah, it can get difficult because you're like, how many grams of whatever? But you can make it more basic than that. Like what's enjoyable? What's going to fuel me? What do I know is going to help with my run tomorrow? Or what do I know is going to like make me feel good so that while I'm pregnant, I feel like I'm doing the right thing for my kid. Right, right. It's a blend of science and art. It's not like you know, your body isn't a checkbook. It doesn't need exact right. amounts. It needs like food that feels good. Yeah. It's also been interesting because I think that like, I don't know if, if you dealt with this at all, but you know, as an athlete, when you get pregnant, like there's a real fear of like gaining too much weight or just like getting out of shape and not getting your body back and sort of letting things go off the rails. And I think that you know, what I found is while I've certainly gained a significant amount of weight for me, like I've been exercising so much less because I just can't mm-hmm. and I'm eating whatever I want and my body's just kind of adapting. Yeah. Like it's not going crazy mm-hmm. and it almost sort of helps you trust your body a little bit more. And I'm kind of excited for that postpartum because it's like, maybe I don't need to be so intense about it. Yeah, your body's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. And yeah, with mm-hmm. like it, it is a huge change and it can be hard to wrap your head around like when you go to the doctor and they make you step on the scale and you're like, holy cow. Um, this is like I've never seen this number before. Um, mm-hmm. but knowing like this is this is good. And then knowing like postpartum, giving yourself some grace of like the fourth trimester, I think is such a sacred time of like, you know, you're not going to just get your body back. You don't, you don't get your body back. You evolve from where you are and you're going to feel like yourself again, but it's going to take some time. And when you can just trust that, like your body's doing what it needs to do to like prioritize, like the taking care of this human, uh, growing this human. And then, yeah, it, it, there'll be a time where it's like, you feel like yourself again. And it's like, okay, Now I can start like thinking more about me and like, you know, pushing in the ways that I want to. And when you can trust your body, that's such a great 
a great thing because then you don't have the anxiety about it and you don't have to think, feel like you have to control what's happening. It's going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all athletes out there, I mean, well, it's a personal choice, but if you want to get pregnant, (laughs) then you'll see like you can, and if you're able to, obviously, um, because I know that people struggle with that too. Like it's a really good can use that those nine, ten, there's ten months. They lie. It's ten months. It's ten months. Um yeah. <laughs> it's ten months of being pregnant as like an opportunity to sort of, I don't know, learn to trust your body. Like mm-hmm. be curious with that as opposed to like the things that we're so focused on when we're not pregnant. Right. Which is training and just kind of optimizing all of that. It's you have to like look at it from that perspective, especially if you can't do all the things that you want to do. And that's just, Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be possible. I mean, you know, the women that can run until the day they give birth, that's amazing. Right. Like that's incredible, but that's just, it's not everyone. It's not most people. I just, um, it's not most people. I actually did a podcast last night. I was hosting it, but we were talking a little bit about postpartum and, um, you know, it's great when we see that those success stories of like, I was able to run mm-hmm. until the day I gave birth. And then I was running three weeks after that's fantastic. But we have to be careful with that because that isn't most people. And even, even if it is say, even if most people did that, that's still, we make the person who can't do that feel inadequate or like, you know, totally. so the mom who is just, and I, don't, I shouldn't say just the mom who's getting through the day, taking care of her, her child and not able to exercise that's like just as great of a success story as someone who is like running 10 miles like four weeks later which is not a thing you shouldn't be doing that actually this podcast was with a pelvic (laughs) physical therapist and she was like you should not be doing that you should not think about running for the first couple months if you're playing the long game so um yeah. I mean, people can do incredible things, but if you can't, that doesn't mean you're not incredible and you're not, you know, you're, you're doing your very best and that is perfectly enough. Totally. And I would also like say it's so important not to force it. I think that like all through my second trimester and yeah, like I had good runs and I had not so great runs, but I was definitely forcing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then kind of like towards the end of the second trimester, it just became so, so forced that I just, I had to stop. I mean, I had some medical reasons that I needed to stop too, but it's just when running is something that you want to love and want to enjoy and take pleasure in and it becomes painful, like just stop. I also think like to your point of, you know, postpartum, at least taking a few months, it... (sighs) I feel like I'm in a better place psychologically to be able to do that because I haven't been running for the last few months. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you maybe run and can run, you know, and and enjoy it and be relatively pain-free through pregnancy, it's really hard to stop. Because like the first few weeks of me not running was just really hard to wrap my mind around it because I felt like I should, even though I didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I get that. And I can say postpartum, I felt that quite a bit of not right away, but when I started to run again and I had a, a, a longer return to run cause I had foot surgery actually when my son was two mm-hmm. months old. So I wasn't running until like six to eight months postpartum, but I felt terrible and I, I kept trying to not force it. I just had no energy and it was so hard. I remember like I couldn't break a nine minute mile. And for me, that's typically not hard to do. 
And it was like, I'm trying so hard. And, you know, a four mile run used to be super easy and now it's hard. So I think if I were to do it again, or if I were to give myself advice, I would say, don't force that either. Even though mm-hmm. you think like at this point I'm cleared for running the doctor, the PT has said like, you're okay. You still want you to force it. And I actually didn't feel good running until I stopped breastfeeding, which was not until 15 mm-hmm. months. <laughs> so I just started feeling good running a couple months ago. Um, wow. But yeah, it's, it, and it continues. So I think, you know, if you don't, feel great there's probably a reason for it and it's okay like I think we get into this uh like frame of mind that this is what we've done in the past so we should be able to do this now or we're comparing to others and I just one thing that I did was um turn my my watch off (laughs) or like I I didn't look at it it just had time of day on there so I didn't see pace I didn't see how how long I was going or and I wouldn't look like when I would do runs I wouldn't look at like uh because I I do a track workout with these this group of people and I never look I don't want to know and it makes me happier to just like remove that and then I'm focused on running and enjoying it rather than like wow that's a minute per mile slower than I used to be so I think that's a really great thing to do when you return to run is to just leave all that technology behind so you're not tempted to compare yeah I mean I think like even in returning like from injury or anything is like it'll come back like that muscle memory that fitness yeah, eventually it, it might take a while mm-hmm. but it will hopefully <laughs> i'm like saying this to myself yeah it will come back well it, it'll <laughs> come back and it might be different but it'll still be yeah. you pushing yourself to the extent you want mm-hmm. and i think there's like some new i know that um like david roach just wrote an article in outside about a study there's better studies coming out now about sort of pregnant athletes and sort of, uh, improvements post running. And it's, it's exciting to see the research happening yeah. in this area. I think there's probably still a lot of room. Um, <laughs> and it's hard to, it's hard to like do research on pregnant women because you don't want to do anything that's going to, you know, right. You can't do uh, a randomized yeah, controlled study. You can't do, They're yeah. all observational, but I think we're yeah. understanding some of the variables and how they change and how mm-hmm. they can either, uh, how they can impact uh, postpartum mm-hmm. running, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. You mentioned it was interesting what you said of like people usually do like exercise physiology or nutrition, but they're not doing both mm-hmm. necessarily. But I think like to me, they seem so linked. So if you're thinking about like particular, I mean, in men too, like, you know, Jake Riley, Olympic marathoner, recently talked about his struggles with red ass. So it's not just a female thing, but like, if you think about the link between sort of nutrition and physiology and injury, like what have you, what have you seen there? How do you see the connections between the nutrition side of things and the exercise physiology side of things? Oh, they're so interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that you don't have a lot of overlap is because both of those fields have so much depth to them. Mm. So it's really hard to be that knowledgeable about all of that. Whereas I, the more I learn, the less I know. (laughs) So, but I do think like, you know, you do take pieces into each of them. So like in the sports nutrition side, I mean, obviously we took in a lot of exercise physiology and in ex-phys, you do learn about metabolism because it is impactful. But for something like red S it's, I mean, it's, it's an arm of it. It's fueling is kind of 
at the, we'll say the base of the pyramid for a lot of those issues. And it's not just, again, a numbers thing. Like it's, you know, you can, you can put numbers in there, but it, that's not the full story. And especially when, Mm um, you know, like ultra running is like a really, it's, it's a huge energy expenditure. So you can't quantify all of that energy sometimes of like, how does that impact, you know, energy balance, energy availability, and how does that impact bone health and the menstrual cycle? And so I just take it back to like food and you have to eat Mm -hmm. and that's the base of all of that. So I think it's like, um, I don't want to be biased of like nutrition is the most important, but it kind of sets the foundation for so many things. Totally. Like you can do all the strength work in the world to make sure your muscles are strong, but if you don't have the nutrition that's kind of supplying the blood flow. I'm not a scientist, um, but yeah. supplying the blood flow, right. Does that sound right <laughs> up to your, you know, your muscles to be able to support that? Like, yeah, you're gonna, and not you're gonna just bonk. the nutrients, yeah. but yeah. also like the food too. You can't just take supplements or mm-hmm. just look at it as like, I need this many carbohydrates. It's like, well, you don't eat grams of carbohydrates. You eat an apple. So I think it's, it, again, like we can, and I think it's really cool to get into the weeds and like the scientific Mm -hmm. and like how many grams of carbohydrates and what are the multiple transportable carbohydrates you need during fueling. But I think when you apply it to someone, you got to take a step back and be like, okay, how do you eat? Because you can make it really simple. You can make it really complex, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I think that's right. Like it's, I have worked with a, a sports nutritionist before who is, amazing and wonderful. And I think he's so knowledgeable, but he'll spend like 45 minutes talking about every single gram of whatever. And then I'll just be like, but then he'll be like, but here's what you need to eat. And I'm like, that's really just what I need to know. Yeah. (laughs) Just get forward to the cliff notes. (laughs) Yeah. Like not every little thing. Um, And I think, you know, like, as we talked about before, like having that information to heal relationship with food or to make it more accessible, like I feel you know, it's great that we have, you know, like Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kopecki, like their cookbooks or Emma Coburn's cookbooks or like other athletes um, that are coming out with these, mm-hmm. with these cookbooks and these ideas, because if you're like, okay, well, they're a world-class athlete and hopefully there's some science behind it. It sort of takes away some of the mystery, but also like makes it easier, particularly for someone like me, who's not maybe skilled in the kitchen or like mm-hmm. doesn't love to cook, but just wants to be able to put something together quickly that I know is going to have everything I need. Yeah. Yeah. And I think being connected to your food is a great way to start Mm -hmm. healing that relationship of like preparing a meal. And those cookbooks are really good. um, Removing the barriers of like, you know, like overwhelming recipes. They're like pretty simple and uh, you know, you can follow them and they make them fun too. Like I know Elise. And she's like, you know, grab a glass of wine and do a bit, a big yeah. like meal prep. Um, so I think that's a really great way to start with this. If anyone is like, how do I, how do I begin this journey? Is to just be a little more connected to your food, prepare, use your hands, learn about ingredients, taste them, smell mm-hmm. them, and then when you eat a meal, sit down and like actually taste it. 
like I've lived alone a lot in my life, just with school and that sort of thing. And I would always like sit down by myself, light a candle, not have technology. And that way you're also like thinking about what you're eating. And I think that just makes it a really like eating is a really intimate experience. And if you can like start to notice those things, I think then you like food becomes less of like anxiety and like a stressful thing and something that's more enjoyable. Yeah. I find that it's easier to do in Europe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, yeah, US. it is. I have done it though no, in but a I mean, rainy little yeah. shack in Corvallis or yeah. by myself, but yes, yeah, it is, it is. And that's the culture here, you know, like lunch is yeah. long and dinner's late and people linger and they have like five course meals and you finish and you feel wonderful because you know, you had a great conversation and paid attention yeah. to what you were eating. Mm-hmm. And I don't I was in just, I was only, only, I don't mean to denigrate it, but I didn't, I didn't travel extensively throughout Europe, but I was in Amsterdam for a few days, um, in April. And I mean, I don't know if Amsterdam is known for like its culinary skills or whatever, but it just, the food taste, I've never had such good scrambled eggs in my life. Like it just, I don't know, everything was so colorful and fresh and like enjoyable and you're sitting down and you're really taking it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we're on the go too, it's so easy to grab, you know, a cliff bar, which cliff bars are great. And sometimes you need them. And like when I'm pregnant, I eat one every night because I wake up in the middle of the night starving and I just need a snack. I've been there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but like, it's this kind of, there's so many, and I, I'm so grateful for all of our nutrition companies, like particularly for runners supply our fuel, but it's so easy to just do that as opposed right. to like, eat the real food. Yeah. Yeah. And enjoy it. I know. I know. I'm totally with you. It's, it is very enjoyable over in Europe. Um, but Mm -hmm. probably a lot of cultures outside the U S but I think when, when I think about food like that, because I I like those conveniences of like cliff bars Mm -hmm. are great, but I think of it as like, okay, a meal is something I'm going to sit down and eat. Um, when you're on the go, then that's when you grab and go things or when you're, you're pregnant in the middle of the night, you're starving. And that's when you either go for that or ice cream. Mm -hmm. That's also a great one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a time and a place for a packaged food and it's less, I, I think in the U S we get confused. I'm saying we just like mm. people in general get confused about yeah. like what, you know, what's food and what's a snack. Um, like I'd rather have someone eat for dessert, like a big bowl of ice cream than like, uh, you know, like a health bar or like a a sports bar, even though they think the sports bar is healthy. It's like, well, no, that's actually, that is designed for you to eat when you're moving and ice cream is going to be satisfying. And it's like so confusing of like, why, why would you tell me to eat something that's like not healthy when I think this like nutrition bars. So I think there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. And it's just like different functions, right? Yes. But it's, Yeah. So I'm curious, like during kind of either your research or like the application of everything you've learned about nutrition um, and exercise physiology in your evolution, like what's, what's one thing that's maybe surprised you the most? Hmm. Let's see. Oh, I've had a lot of surprises postpartum, but that's not really been nutrition related. Well, okay. Surprises postpartum. Any surprises lately? Um, well, I've just been surprised at like the postpartum in general of like how much I didn't know happened and how much it affected me and how long it affected me and how it continues to. And not all of it's bad, 
but, um, changes and like, I, I mean, I mentioned just feeling that crap running. I didn't expect that. I didn't. And I know better. I, I mean, I knew it on paper, but I was like, wow, I just didn't expect to feel that crummy. Um, mm. but I did, <laughs> I, I think with nutrition and this is going to sound kind of weird, but the biggest thing I've learned is like, we learn so much about numbers and metabolism and how everything works. And it's this really complex, like really cool system, but we can also just like, just eat and like, listen to our body's cues of like, if there's a food, when you eat it, you feel good. That's a food you should eat. There's a food that you eat and you don't feel like good. That's when you should probably not eat as long as it's coming from your stomach and not your head, because that's, confusing sometimes but I think we we can regulate ourselves a lot better than we think if you look at a child like my son mm-hmm. he eats when he's hungry and when he stops he's full and like oh if we could just all have that ability again of like trusting our bodies like that so I think you know I've gone through so much school and learned so much and I can like spit out numbers and knowledge but I'm like actually it's you know it's that's I don't want to say it's not important but it's less important than maybe the emphasis we put on it. Yeah. No, I think that's really like wise and insightful. If we can have all the numbers in the world, but at the end of the day, we also need to listen to our bodies because they're pretty smart. They're going to tell us what to do most of the, hopefully <laughs> if we can when that like headpiece yeah. gets, gets into it, that can be more complicated for sure. Um, so you mentioned that, you know, you, your son Julian is 20 months yeah. and you, so you only stopped breastfeeding about four months ago. So running has just started to feel good, but you went over and did OCC and it looks like at least from Instagram, I know that's not always reality, <laughs> that it was a really joyful experience. And I, I'm, it looks like you got to carry him over the finish line, which was yeah. probably a lot of fun. Yeah. So what was, what was that decision to sort of get back into it and race like, and how did it feel? Yeah, well, I mentioned I love France and I love coming over for this race. So it was like, oh, that's going to be my goal this year. And I actually wanted to do UTMB, the 100 miler. But mm. um, yeah, I long, long story that I won't get into now. I didn't have enough points because of my, my pregnancy, um, which, yeah, they just... Another podcast. They, another podcast. <laughs> they just started uh, a pregnancy deferral this year. So I missed wow. out on that. But anyways, it was oh, good. No. I wasn't in that race. Um, so I wanted to do, I want to do all the distances at some point. So I've done CCC, UTMB. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll do OCC. Um, it's like 54K, 56K. I'm like, and that'll be fine. But yeah, easy. I kind of, I haven't <laughs> been training as much. Like I've been running, but I haven't been doing anything long partially because I just don't want to be away. And so mm. it was kind of like a, a shock to the system. I mean, I wanted to be there and I was very happy to be there. Um, I, this is going to sound kind of like, uh, silly, but I actually like, I'm smiling in all the pictures. I had kind of a miserable day. Um, I, we got, Julian and I both got sick like two nights before. And so the night before Mm -hmm. he didn't sleep a wink. So I didn't either. So I like got up and I was like, all right, (laughs) really excited for this race. But that said, I just kind of reframed it of like, this is, you're here for this. This, there's a number of reasons you could quit, but there's even better reasons to keep going. Like you want to like, this is kind of my first race back. So I'm like, you want to cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. There's no way I wasn't going to do it. And I didn't do as well as I'm capable of, but I kind of didn't care. Like I, I really didn't. And 
I think in the past, maybe I would have said that, oh, I don't care and actually did, but I just didn't. I was just so excited to get to the finish and like pick him up and see him. And that was like the most magical finish for me. It was not my best race at all, but like, you know, he was there and I did, I grabbed him and I... (laughs) I'm so surprised it didn't cramp because as soon as I stopped, I like everything in me cramped, <laughs> but I carry like ran through the finish with him and like, we have really cool oh. photos of it. So that was super memorable. So even though it wasn't a great race, like physically, I am so happy and so pleased with it and just really excited to race again. And it was also cool to just actually be content with that of like, mm-hmm. I, I just, don't care in the same way that I used to like sure it would have been nice to finish in the top 10 but I didn't but I still did the best I could and actually that's that made me happy that day I love that that's like so important I mean when you're out there so it's what it's how many k 50 it was 56 50 yeah I know these these aren't distances aren't particularly precise so you're (laughs) over the course of what like 33 ish miles like what are you thinking about as you're not feeling great but it's your first race back like what are the things going through your head I was thinking about like oh yeah you forgot to prepare some things for this because (laughs) I just was like a space cadet the day before and I didn't like pack much food so again this Mm -hmm. is like a like I, sh- I shouldn't admit this. I like do sports nutrition, but I I know this course really well, or I know the end of it from UTMB. So I'm like, oh, there's aid stations. But for the OCC, they don't have fuel at the first two. They just have oh. water. So I was like, awesome. So I had, I, I did oh, no. in the morning pack, I had these little biscuits with chocolate on them and I like shoved them in my pack. I didn't have like a Ziploc bag. And so they were like half melted. Like, so, so I was like trying to eat those. Um, so that was not very good planning. So I was thinking about that a little bit of like, oh yeah, nice job. Um, <laughs> sports nutritionist. Um, but yeah, um, I was just thinking about trying to move where I could. And even if mm-hmm. I couldn't move fast, which on every uphill, that's usually where I'm, I'm like pretty good. I feel like crap. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, just keep going forward and try to walk yeah. with intention. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think that like, I don't know, just giving our, like even just a first race back and it's easy for me to say, I'm not a professional athlete, but, um, just finishing is like a huge accomplishment. Totally. And I honestly think being a mom has changed that for me. Um, I would have cared before. I mean, I've walked Mm -hmm. it in races before been pretty distraught and like cried and I've never been like, like super like tied to results but they do impact you when you're trying to do your best and you come up short and this I can truly say like maybe I was bummed for a little bit in the middle like wow you're moving backwards right now but I just like maybe I don't have the mind space to care anymore but it's such a great thing it's like freeing of that was the best I could do and I'm really happy with that so I hope you have Mm -hmm. that too when you get back to racing (laughs) I mean, it's just cool because it's like, honestly, at the end of the day, your little baby doesn't care. They just want to see you and hug no. you. And like, if you come in first or last, they're going to be just as excited. Yeah. And I mean, yes, like it matters to you personally and maybe your friends and your family and your sponsors or whatever. No, but as a fan of the sport, like 
I was just celebrating the fact that you were out there and running. I don't, I didn't know what place you finished. Like even some of my favorite runners that run, like I have, (laughs) you know, yeah, you hear the winners and like you watch the like craziness that happened between like Killian Jornet and Jim Walmsley and like, you know, wonder those things. But then you're just celebrating the fact that like, oh, so-and-so ran this and, and finished it. And like, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I feel the same too about, you know, and I think that with other people like, wow, it's only really in your mind that you think other people care. Yeah. And you're, I'm like, I have that all the time. And I'm like, literally like my coworkers are like, you ran a marathon. That's amazing. They don't care if I like completely bonked and missed my goal time. Yeah. They just doesn't register. Yeah. Um, well, there's like so much more that I would want to talk to you about. I know. And so I'm just going to plug the Trail Society podcast again, because you also get into a little bit about sort of sponsorship and what sponsors can do to better support women. And I think the workplace in general. So definitely check that out. Um, but I know it's late there. And so I'll wrap up. But before we get to some fun sort of rapid fire end of the podcast questions, you know, I'm curious, like it's obviously evolved over the last 30 months, because I'm going to include the 10 months of pregnancy in there. But like over the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, um, what do you hope your relationship with running looks like? Mm, I always want to be a runner. Um, I don't always need to be racing. I think I like races because they challenge me, but there's other ways that I can challenge myself. So I like to explore the mountains and trails on my feet. And so I hope that that's always there for me, um, that I can treat my body well enough that I'm able to do that. And I want to show my son all those things too. So I want to be able to take him out. So that's, I guess, the most important thing to me, um, more so than like, you know, trying to win races and that sort of thing. Yeah. It is so interesting, like thinking about like having a kid and being like, oh, I want to show my child this, right? Like you just come at it from such a different lens of like, it's not about me and exploring necessarily anymore. It's like instilling that sense of adventure into your kid. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. I don't know. Yeah. Gets me excited. Yeah. Okay. Um, We're going to just going to have some fun rapid fire questions. And we didn't even talk about like what brought you out to California, but um, we, you know, you made, you made your way out to California. You're Mm -hmm. now in, in Marin, right? Mm -hmm. Is that where you're? Yep. Okay. So you're, you're a local, which we're excited to claim you. (laughs) Um, what is your favorite place for a long run in the Bay area? Oh, um, the headlands. I mean, pirates. I love that on like a kind of a moody day. It's just like Mm -hmm. really magical. Like the fog and then it kind of like burns off towards the end. Yeah. That's great. I know. I love that too. What is your, this might be a like sort of a controversial question. I don't know. Maybe it's not just one thing too. What's your favorite fuel for an ultra? Oh, at OCC, I love the cheese. Um, that's what I feel <laughs> with. I use cliff products generally and then potato chips, but I'm also like, I like food too. So I will grab stuff at aid stations. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I've got kind of a mix of things that I like sweet, salty, that sort of thing. What's your, and not on the list of questions, but I'm curious because I love Cliff products and I'm not just saying that, but like I do, I just live off of them basically. It's bad. I'm one of those people that eats a Cliff bar for dessert. What's your favorite Cliff product? When I'm racing, I like the blocks. Um, I like Mm -hmm. the strawberry. Uh, That's my favorite flavor or the mountain berry. 
And then when I'm training, I use bars and I like that they have so many flavors. I just like yeah. go through them all. And then by the time I'm through them all, I'm like, oh, I got to start over. I forgot about blueberry crisp yeah. and then chocolate chip. And then <laughs> because they've got like quite a few really, really good flavors. Totally. I love the seasonal ones. Mm, the and then pumpkin. I'm also really into the the pumpkin and I'm really into the nut butter ones. Yeah. Those are really good. I really too. like those too, the chocolate hazelnut butter. Yeah. So good. On the continue with the food theme, what is your favorite recovery meal? Mm, usually chips. I have a, a joke with my friend. She my nickname is Sleeps with Chips because after <laughs> a, an a race I always because I get a little bit nauseous and so I just sleep with them so I can like munch on them in the middle of the night and uh one time my friend was in the same room and she was like you kept me up all night with your chip chopping <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I usually want all awesome. the salty things love it what's your favorite distance you know I'm the best at 50 mile or 80k um, that's typically where I perform the best, but I like the hundred mile distance. Well, this is previous, previous Stephanie, like the hundred mile distance because of like what it did to me emotionally, physically, just like that journey. Mm. Uh, yeah, now I'm like a, a little bit into the shorter stuff. So I don't know, kind of all over the board to be determined. All over the place. Do you have a, I mean, you've run, obviously you've run and done incredibly well, including winning Western States. No big deal. <laughs> Um, at some of the most incredible races on the planet, but do you have a bucket list race that you haven't done yet? Um, I have some projects, but those are secret. Mm. A race that okay. I really want to do is UTMR, Ultra Trail to Mount Rosa. And partially it's mm. around uh, Zermont. It starts in Zermont, it's around Mount Rosa. And it's uh, low key. It's organized by one of my friends, um, Lizzie Hawker. She was... Uh, a North Face athlete and has done incredible things as well. And uh, yeah, it's not, it's not quite the scene that UTMB is. So that's on, that's my top of my bucket list. Nice. Awesome. Well, we'll be, we'll be keeping an eye out for the secret project. <laughs> yeah. And we'll be like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> Love it. And then our last question, which is food related, but we ask this to every guest. It's, I think our most important question, burger, burrito, or pizza? Oh, pizza. I was hoping you were going to ask me my favorite food because it's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> we only have three options. Though. Your, your favorite food has to be a burger, a burrito, yeah. or pizza. Oh, where do you where do you go for pizza uh, in the Bay Area? Um, so I go to Tony Tuto's, which is my okay. absolute favorite. Um, pizza Lina. I've got three places. Pizza Lina. San Rafael. I'm writing this all down. And then The Junction, which is in Mill Valley. Amazing. Do you have a favorite kind of pizza? Uh, I, I like the traditional like Italian style pizzas, like wood-fired um, margaritas. Yep. Great. But I'm also, I, I make pizza a lot at home and I put like random things on there, like an egg or like non-traditional things like avocado. Like it's, I love making them kind of, kind of crazy. Cool. I see like a pizza cookbook in your future. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd buy it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a cookbook is kind of like on the, the to-do list, uh, my Ooh. life list. So we'll see. I just need got a few things on my plate right now. Yeah. Um, just a few. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time. I, especially as it is late there in France, just such a pleasure to get to chat with you and yeah, just wishing you like all the best in all of your adventures and whatever's next mm -hmm. from a 
nutrition standpoint, a mom standpoint, racing, having all the fun, etc. Thank you. Yeah, it was great to chat with you. We'll have to do it again. Yes, I would love that. And one of these days I will take you up on your offer to like pace me through a scary trail run where I can just follow you. Let's do it. That would be amazing. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Love it. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode with Stephanie Howe. You can find Stephanie on Instagram at Stephanie Marie Howe, and you can find her on her website, stephaniemariehowe.com. As always, you can find us at Runners of the Bay on Instagram or on Twitter. Send us an email, runnersofthebay at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, We want to reach out to more guests. We want to have more inspiring people on and really respond to what you're interested in hearing about. Um, Want more of something? Want less of something? Please let us know. Get in those DMs. Email us. We're so grateful that you're here, that you're listening, that you're part of this community, and we will talk to you real soon.